Welcome to the Broken Sun. Welcome back, everyone, to Specters of a Broken Sun. This is season two of our Stories of a Broken Sun anthology podcast. We're an actual play show. Currently, we are playing the game Scum and Villainy by Stras Asimovic and John LaBeouf Little, which you can purchase from Evil Hat Games. And you should. It's a Force in the Dark game. Today, we are going to be moving on to session 13, which uh, that means we have now had more sessions in season two than we had chapters in season one. But season one ended with chapter 11, but uh, season one did also have longer chapters. And I think probably I'm thinking 14 or 15 will be the end of this season, unless something goes dramatically wrong. But when we left off, we had our Sunbreakers uh, had made their way out to meet with the Schism fleet of the Hygiene Logistocracy. Uh, the Hygiene Logistocracy has sent a fleet on the uh, hopes of crushing the quote-unquote rebellion aboard the Habitat, which is called the Habitat of League of Orbital Nations, short form Hablon, and uh, hoping to take over the land from the uppity rebels who live upon it to help out the people on the sun. Uh, this group of people with whom the Sunbreakers are meeting don't agree with that goal and are working on negotiating uh, their own terms for assisting against the rest of the logistocracy, or at least withholding their support from the sun and their attacks. They have also recently uh, acquired a green-skinned clone body of Whiskey Tango called Weapon Table, who has been staying with them on the Express. Their goal is, I think, to turn him or perhaps help him find some form of redemption, knowing that as a clone with a cybernetic positronic brain, he did not necessarily have any choice in who he is or how he acts or how he acted up until this point. So meanwhile, you have met representatives from the Andromedan Exile. You met uh, Home, Lucky, and Fibonacci. Representatives from the Centauran Fellowship, part of a group called the Enduring Loop, Looming Evenfall, Dangerous Midnight, Bitter Awakening, and Ravening Zenith. And representatives from the human factions in the Logistocracy, Vaxel Gray, who is a representative of the Shroud, a Stylish Fountain, a representative of the Shipping Authority, and Eli Vok, a representative of the uh, Hidden Hiddenarchy. The Hiddenarchy. Every season we've had, thanks to a certain player, some variation on a group dedicated to hedonism. So I have to remember which one's which. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait for our season three hedonists. Right. The scratch post. <laughs> <laughs> canon now don't say funny things while i'm eating my soup come on <laughs> soup is the best podcasting food obviously <laughs> well it was easy it was microwavable yeah well it works you know and that's the important part this is all very reasonable eli is a, a cyborg and he had a fancy eyepiece which as it turned out housed some part of velico and keva was able to help reunite that part of velico with a different node of Velico that, as it turns out, 
has been living inside Mandukai's brain since birth, maybe? It's difficult to say. We don't have all the details on Mandukai's brain situation yet. Negotiations began with each party laying out what they wanted and what they were willing to uh, offer in return for it. Uh, so the Andromedan exile actually didn't want anything in return. They just enjoy the company of sapient creatures who are not monstrous. So they are willing to help and, or at least they have said they will not assist the logistocracy if they carry out an attack on Hablon. They haven't actually said that they'll help you, just that they won't help the logistocracy. Uh, the Centauran Fellowship, they have said they have technology for terraforming to help fix some of the environmental issues that have been going on aboard Havlon for hundreds of years, ever since the people in the sun busted into it, messed up all the systems and dumped garbage everywhere. So they can uh, help with the terraforming and they would like some underwater space to live in on the habitat which would mean perhaps displacing local aquatic life on the habitat to make room for their settlement. And they understand that despite being upset with what has happened to your habitat, they understand that that is not the fault of the people living on it so much as the fault of the ruling class aboard the Sun Battle Station. Uh, so Stylish Fountain and Vaxel Gray both want to establish a settlement for the Hygiene Logistocracy's civilians aboard Hablon, and they want that settlement to be separate from yours, uh, so separate from Gov's domain, but with equal land rights. In return, they're offering access to the shipping authorities' efficiency technologies, their agricultural technologies, which allow them to grow food in basically vacuum, which would be useful in a desert, and of course, the shroud itself, which is the technology which has hidden the hygiene logistocracy from the emergency and the mistake coming from Earth. Eli Vok has said that the Hedonarchy just wants to go and kick the sun's asses because they think they suck and they want to have a big fight with them about it. So he seems cool so far. That's that so far. Mandakai wanted to make sure that they weren't going to destroy all of the desert uh, and just turn everything into gardens because, as she rightfully pointed out, uh, a desert is in its own way also a garden, an important part of an ecosystem. Like, did you know that the dust from the uh, Sahara Desert is one of the reasons why hurricanes aren't worse? Who knew? Wow. And that's interesting. I wonder how it was when the Sahara Desert was not a desert. Yeah, probably worse in many ways. Mm. The dust from the fossils of when it was uh, a lake, though that fossil dust flies across the world to the Amazon rainforest and provides nourishment to those trees. So, you know, oh. deserts, pretty good, actually. Everything is all part of the big circle of the ecosystem's interconnectedness. So we do need deserts, just not quite so much desert as we currently have aboard Havlon. Okay, so your negotiations have been ongoing, and it has been, I'm going to say, at this point, you're on day three of your negotiations, which are expected to last for three to four more days at this point. It's exhausting work. Uh, it's probably not what most of you enjoy doing with your time. I, mean, I can't imagine uh, actually any of you <laughs> enjoying this as a pastime. I think Keva enjoys hanging out with these people, but not trying to negotiate as much. Hmm. There's several cranium and like fist size holes in the coral of the walls of Maeve's room. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Understandable. Cranium? It does always grow back. Like uh, by the time you wake up the next day, it's been repaired. It's grown over, but it's usually a slightly different color. So basically, so far, all of you have been have said you're pretty OK with the Centaurans living in the aquatic parts of the habitat, uh, the we big salt lakes that you have. I had one, oh yeah, in the, in the Salt Lakes, yeah, but one idea was that 
they could like start setting up a base camp there, but then like maybe find uninhabited area and create their own. Um, that's possible. They would need yeah. to find a way to get a lot of water into the habitat that doesn't already exist there, which is possible. Mm -hmm. It's just uh, it's a it's an undertaking. So that's possible too. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Emran wants to help the Andromedans and wants to keep the Hedonarchy close to keep an eye on them. Let's see. So, so far you have not had any luck getting the logistocracy to budge on having a separate settlement. So far that has not been the thing they've been willing to move on. They've moved on other small things, but the idea is still that our cultures are very different. And while we will have exchange between us, we don't want to change our culture and we don't think that we should uh contaminate your culture which has already been devastated by the solar free state so that's ongoing what have they budged on like um the level of technology that they're willing to offer you the amount of support and supplies that they're willing to exchange it's like brass tacks kind of stuff that you're down to at this point um they are of course the shroud thing is the thing that i know your side is not willing to budge on like that must be a part of the deal and they mm -hmm. have so far been uh, amenable to that. So has there been any like concession about letting like goodwill ambassadors be with them? Yeah, like embassies are something that they are open to. Embassies and diplomatic ties, political connections, I meant trade. In their settlement that there would be a couple people learning with them or Yeah, I think their expectation is that there will be like immigration between the two settlements between gov's domain okay. and whatever they set up like that seems to be what they mentioned last time they expect that will happen but they weren't gonna say we're gonna come and live in gov's domain or we're just gonna come and live in gov's domain or we're going to come under the control of your government that was yeah, uh okay. that's the thing they're not willing to budge on no i'm fine with them not being in our government because ours is a shambles at, kind of <laughs> at this point but i mean like it's a bit of a mess yeah I will stop eating now, but I think that the main point is for Keva on Keva's side is just like, hey, you know, you got to at least like follow certain rules and yeah. not try to colonize. Yeah, I think that's that's the kind of stuff that we're up to negotiating at this point. Like, what are the ground rules? What are the expectations that that both sides have? And that's uh, what are the lines? Where are these lines drawn? What can you do? Where is this far and no further? That mm -hmm. kind of stuff is is ongoing. And we don't need to know all the details of that right now because talks are ongoing. But uh, the current floated idea that I think came from your end was that you would have some type of neutral ground where you could have conclaves with the leaders of the different groups with whatever Centauran settlement, uh, Andromedans hanging out nearby, Gov's Domain, however many different factions there are in Gov's Domain now, currently three at least, and Logistocracy settlement yes. where you'd be able to get together and try to work out some type of cooperative system. So that's going on. It's the end of day three of negotiations. What have your characters been doing for their downtime? Because you have access to the Express, which means you can do downtime stuff. And we didn't get to downtime at the end of last session, but I don't want to move onwards without giving you that opportunity for your downtime actions and the type of advancement and stuff that you get out of that. Does anyone have something in mind? Oh, just so you know, we didn't introduce ourselves. That's true. I should probably do that. As everybody is figuring out what they did with their downtime, I will introduce them. So our players today are joined by Trudy. Hi, uh, my name is Trudy. My pronouns are they, them. I play Zora. Her pronouns are she, her. She's got a lot of hangups from uh, 
working for Gov and a lot of trust issues that are kind of um, seeping into all of this right now. For sure. So, And Ozora was also a little shaken by uh, what Mandukai said to her at the end of the last session, too. So maybe we'll see some fallout from that. Yeah. We are also joined by Velvet. Hello, everyone. I'm Velvet Fayfair, and I am playing Maeve Sentis, who is she, her. Excellent. And we're joined by Keekers. Hi, everyone. It's me, Keekers. She, her. I'm playing Keva, who's she, her. And glad to be here tonight. And finally, we are joined by Michael Blood. Howdy, everyone. It's me, Mike. They, them. Uh, tonight, I'm playing Emran Pak, he, him. And, uh, you know, he's just a lovable lug nut that is going to be the, the, the drill that pierces the heavens. Those heavens are waiting. And I am Arp. My pronouns are he or they. You can find me on Twitter at Ycaliber. Follow the show at Broken Sun RPG or go to our brand spanking new website, brokensunrpg.com, which uh, is got, it has so many cool things on it now. I'm uh, really happy with how it has come together. I wish the RSS feed weren't such a nightmare to deal with, but everything else is great. The uh, episodes are all organized by season side story. We've got a whole section on where to start. We have summaries of everything from season one and parts of season two, if you want to jump in at a certain point, but you still want to read up about what happened. All the characters, major NPCs, detailed write-ups on all the factions. Everything you could want to know, it's there. Just realized something important, though. Yeah? We still need to add Gumboy. Yeah, we're. I mean, there's going to be a whole Satchel Folk spinoff website that we'll get to. Don't worry about that. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> we have priorities here. Yeah, yeah I've, I've been working on it a bit, or at least trying to trying to organize it. You're the official Satchel Folk brand manager of the Stories mm -hmm. of a Broken Sun franchise. Okay, so what have your characters been up to? You get two downtime actions during downtime. Uh, downtime actions include acquire asset, which you could technically do here. There's a, you know, there's a group of ships. Uh, craft, indulge vice to help reduce your stress. Um, no real need to lay low right now. Long-term projects, recover to harm, repair, uh, the ship's fine, and train if you want to add attribute or playbook experience. So as a reminder, aboard the Express, no, you don't have any specific training facilities aboard the Express, which makes sense, but there it is. What about the Andromedan ship? Uh, I don't think it has anything that is... Sorry, I meant the Centauran. Jellyfish Junction? Yeah. Uh, I'm sure it has training facilities, but they are likely designed for Centaurans. So you might not be able to get the same benefits out of them. So if you want to do training, you can still do that. It's just you get one experience instead of two. I was just thinking that like there would like the prowess or like physical side, like we could probably say that they had that because it would be like, well, you can swim. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can do that. It's just as it's not your facility, you don't get the yeah. extra bonus experience. So any thoughts? I'm still working on getting in good with the space Leviathans. Okay. Mm. Did you want, do you think that's a long-term project? Yeah, that's probably a long-term thing. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to set up a four-step clock over on the clocks page. Yeah. So I'm going to set up a four-step clock for you to make uh, contact or uh, contact with the ship with the centauran ships how are you going about doing that this time uh i think i'm still gonna be using uh, a tune for mechanics purposes but i think i'm gonna try to use the same tactic i used uh when i started with the swarm like instead of just like broadcasting my thoughts i'm gonna try to like weasel into theirs and just kind of vibe and get a feel for how they think all right sounds good 
So I guess roll your attune then. We'll see how that goes. All I can think of is this video. Risky standard where we thrive. All right, you got a six. You've been brought to the House of Vibes for your vibe check. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this goes really well. Uh, you are able to, by hanging out in the sort of mind space of this ship, you are able to just figure out the wavelengths on which it operates and see how its brain or neural network or whatever it is works, which gives you a really good insight into how you might soon be able to communicate with this alien intelligence. So that's given you three ticks on your four tick clock. So that good result, I would say. Nice. I think uh, for Maeve, this is kind of a learning experience because um, you're used to dominating the things that you connect with to your mind powers, like with the Ebon Dowager and the Insect Swarm and stuff like that. Whereas this is not a mind that you can dominate. And I think you're finding that simply vibing with it, as you said, is helping you understand it a lot better. And maybe that's something Maeve will take a lesson from or not. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. A. Uh, who's up next? Emrin will train. Okay. What's Emrin training? Uh, insight. Sorry. Okay. Uh, what's this look like for Emrin? I think just to help focus and decompress so he can start to just try to order his thoughts after every day of deliberation. Emrin has just been trying to channel his own bioelectricity into his sword. Okay, that's pretty interesting. You're finding as you do that, the sword reacts by glowing in different colors, which uh, oddly enough, you can actually see those colors only on the sword. The way that your bioelectricity is interacting with them, it comes up in different colors depending on how you're feeling. And it's not all a solid color, of course, because feelings are complex. It's like a, a mood blade in a way. That's so cool. All right. So that's training your insight. Um, that's one or two points. It's one. Um, yeah, if you have the facility, you get two. But uh, right. there's okay. an insight training facility on the uh, probable cause, but not on the express. Anything Keva's doing? Uh, yes. Sorry. I was distracted there for a second. That's somewhat, quite all right. Somewhat distracted today. But anyway, so first of all, Keva would like to research. So that's a long-term project. Okay. What are you researching? Okay. <sighs> Keva is researching, and th this makes me sad, honestly. This Keva's researching um, people setting up colonies and, and stuff like that, and kind of like colonization. Okay. See, like, when it was successful for both parties. When I say oh. successful, I mean, like, not detrimental didn't result in the extinction of one or more cultures. Yeah, yeah. So basically, like, yeah, like, like for example, um, one more, mm, I mean, it definitely affected this culture when it happened, but uh, kind of like one of the better, uh, a better outcome. I mean, obviously, this had far reaching effects either way, no matter what happens, but for both parties, uh, when the U.S. tried to open up Japan forcefully, mm -hmm. that did not like negatively affect either party to a degree. I mean, well, it, it did. Yeah, but it's less so than <laughs> other. It's like I think Keva will be while researching this, learning that like there isn't a way to have no effect. Obviously. Mm -hmm. The question yeah. is looking at ways to ensure that those effects 
are not uh, terrible, don't lead to the end of a culture or the irrevocable change yeah. of a culture or peoples. Like cultures are going to shift over time. And as new elements, as they adapt to new elements, like that's a natural part of a culture, the evolution of mm-hmm. one. The question is, how do you do that without one culture forcing changes on another or affecting it in um, a way that removes what that culture is or what's unique or special or important about it or their agency. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think that for example, like when I personally, I was researching this myself being like, was there a situation where it wasn't terrible and I mean, yeah, most of the time colonization is terrible, but there can be certain aspects of where it's like, oh, well, that part was okay-ish, or no, that was that was a good change that happened there, because, I mean, it changed it, but so, for example... Like things like cultural exchange or trade can mm-hmm. be can be positive but, in certain ways. Better so that's, I think, yeah. while Keva is researching this, like one of the object lessons is that in general, uh, it's a question of power imbalance, and it's a question of cultural supremacy and cultures finding a way to balance rather than attempting to dominate, yeah. which is a very rare thing in human history, unfortunately. So researching this, this is probably where Keva is learning lessons about largely what not to do. And then finding the occasional moment of like, well, this wasn't so bad. Is there a way that we could incorporate this into our plan for the future without, you know, the bad part of it that was attached? Mm-hmm. Exactly. So it's That's- like a, a, a road roadmap to idealism mm-hmm. in a way. So what do you want to roll for this type of research you're doing? I would assume study, but I'm open to whatever you think is appropriate. Yeah, I mean, part of me was saying it sounds like resolve, but none of those are exactly it. So, yes, study. Okay, you can give that a roll. The position and effect don't matter in downtime. Whoa, what? You rolled a one. I rolled a one. I think that is reflective of what we were just talking about. It's difficult to find information on times colonization went well. Yeah, Keva like literally like just finds out about all these terrible things. Well, this is what happened when the English took over it, India. This is what happened when. Uh... This is what happened when the English. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, oh. oh. <laughs> like Kevin's like, who are these English people? They're terrible. <laughs> Apparently, like. Ah. So yeah, learning about that aspect of history, uh, but it's a start. You're able to start finding some information that is at least useful to you in. Uh, finding things to avoid in what the other parties are suggesting. So like Keva can point out, well, people are suggesting, well, we could do this or that, the other. And Keva's like, well, you know, uh, that didn't work out so great in the Congo. Mm-hmm. And so that can be a kind of thing that helps you uh, get better positioning in the negotiations as they start to understand that, uh, yeah, you're not just young folks. You are yeah. intelligent and capable people who are representing your culture in this way. I want to say that someone walks into Keva's room at some point to look for her and they find a notebook with all these notes and scrawled in it is like the Union Jack just just says, don't believe their lies. (laughs) (laughs) What's Zora up to? Um, Well, normally when she's ill at ease or anxious, which she is, she's totally out of her comfort zone right now. 
she'll pray and she thinks about what Mandukai told her earlier and she's going to give it another shot and um, try praying for a change. Okay. You could have that as a training of your resolve, maybe, or you could work on a long-term project for trying to come to terms with your faith, something along those lines. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I think it's probably better for her to come to terms with her faith, since that's what she's struggling with right now. Given all the stuff that happened with Gov, it's difficult for her to, I guess, reconcile the things that she did with what she believed. Okay. So maybe a project about Maybe Zora's learning about the historical religions that uh, the people who built Hablon, her uh, ancestors, had and their belief yeah. systems. Okay. Yeah. So you'd be learning about things like Buddhism, uh, Hinduism, things along those lines. Uh, so that's probably study also. I want to add Sheikhism, Jainism. Yeah, Islam. There we go. Um, is the position just risky? It, yeah, that doesn't it doesn't matter for this. So just <laughs> any... no risky standard. That's where we thrive. <laughs> It is risky to look into the past. Learning about history is always risky. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So that's a three. So that's, that's fine. It's still fine. Uh, so you still get, you get one dot on that. I'll take my one dot. The dark side clouds and obscures much. <laughs> okay. Uh, second round of actions. Question. Yep. Have we been provided with any sort of information as far as the Hygian fleets battle plan? Or has that, have they yet to reconnoiter with the sun? Uh, they have not made a connection with the sun yet because the sun, as it turns out, does not have spaceships. Right. Okay. Um, so it's right now the logistocracy fleet is outside. They're communicating via like radio at the moment with the sun. So okay. like the they're communicating through the old spaceport, which you could potentially jam if you wanted to do something along those lines. Raspberry jam specifically um mm-hmm. would it even be a de- well i i would like to if not jam tap into those communications but also would it even be an activity to get a map of the assets that the fleet has that's probably something you can do through the negotiations once you've established the baselines for cooperation okay like i think that's probably something that they're holding as a bargaining chip yeah it's like we want to know what we're fighting no okay yeah, like we will we'll give you the details on their battle plans and their resources and stuff once we have a satisfactory agreement. That's yikes of them. Yeah, you know, they didn't come to play. Okay, we can talk about that in negotiations later. I guess Yamrin would want to, I don't know if the Andromedan Centaurans or the Logistocracy is engaged in any efforts clandestinely to tap into those um, radio transmissions or to, to jam them, but I imagine the heat anarchy must be. Okay. So um, um, making, making good on my threat promise to Eli Vogt, I'd like to become his friend and okay. see if we can work together to do that. Uh, all right. So do you want to, let's see, you said you were going to make him a replacement eye. Yeah, I think that's a good place to start. Okay. So for crafts, roll rig or hack. The result indicates the quality of the asset using the cruise quality as a base. You are tier one, I believe, is the express. So you add plus one quality if you have a workshop on your ship or for each cred spent. So. Uh, yeah, you'd roll your rig or hack. I think it's rig in this case. I imagine the uh, Express does not have a workshop for cybernetics. Let's take a look. We do have a weapon table. You do have a workshop aboard the Express. We hey. determined that, I think. So um, So that's going to be three days. I have a stash. I don't know if I could spend two for one out of there. You? Yeah, I think you can if you want to. Yeah, I think Emron wants to do a great job. So you don't have to spend cred before you roll in this case. You okay. can spend it after the roll. Oh, all right. Perfect. Then I'll do the, I have the workshop shows three dice. Cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. 
Okay, you got a crit. Excellent. So that means you get uh, tier quality plus two to start with, plus one from the workshop. So that is uh, tier four. Holy crap, Emron. I'm, a, I'm so good at cybernetics, guys. <laughs> Folks. Well. I, hey, I made you something better than you had. <laughs> yeah, I think a, a tier four cybernetic eye. Is this made out of SGM? Are you flexing in that way? I have finally learned how to work it. Yeah, I think because you can work it with your mind, right? So you can... This is a personal milestone. Yeah, I feel like... Oh my gosh. This is what your anime arc has been building towards. Finally. <laughs> You probably have like a bit of a, what's the term I'm looking for? A montage of Emerald in the workshop, you know, first in the forge going like clang, clang, clang on it. Nothing happens. Doesn't heat up properly. And then like trying with, with like technological tools and nothing happening. And then finally like, I'm use my brain. Give myself a double nosebleed migraine. Like in, uh, I don't know if you've seen Mob Psycho. Yes, go ahead. <laughs> Just like like the 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 crafting meter instead of the emotion meter for Mob. <laughs> like crafting twenty percent, crafting one hundred percent. What is what's this thing look like? You activated my craft before. He just had like your your standard bad guy red cybernetic eye in his head. Phantom of the Opera mask. Yeah. This is a silicate graphene met um, using like whatever cyber eye as a base that I could scrounge up and then it's it's sleek and is sort of uh because we have a brand it's a burnt orange color and it has a, a fox head like uh what's the word like decal in it like on on top of above the eye and like the phantom opera mask so when it catches the light it's like a graphic book card you like turn his, he turns his head and it's like a holographic um <laughs> fox head symbol and otherwise it just looks dope i think uh eli is Absolutely thrilled with this, uh, with this thing. And yeah, do you want to do a quick installation scene? Yeah, I'd love to. Do you do you invite him to the ship, or do you go to meet him somewhere? Probably go to meet him somewhere. Okay. Uh, so he has a room here. Otherwise, you could go to his ship. It's up to you to determine that. Like you ask for a meeting, he's like, "Yeah, yeah, we can meet up. I'm happy to happy to talk with you. I know we've got a lot of things we need to work out." Right, and not everything strictly at the table yeah kickers can i just say that kevin wrapped it oh yeah absolutely (laughs) nice bow it's in a blue box with a iridescent bow perfect okay sorry did you say were you going to his ship or are you going to meet him on the jellyfish junction um i'll go to his ship if it's docked yeah yeah it's docked it's in the it's in the hangar bay here so it's actually not far you just walk from your ship which is parked in the hangar bay over to his ship which is parked in a different part of the hangar bay excellent wonderful uh, let's see here. Okay. So, uh, his ship is called the impertinent warpath. Oh my goodness. It's, it's bigger than the express. It's like his outfit entirely black. It's like a kind of thing. It's clearly designed for stealth. You can see that it is, if it were in space, you probably wouldn't see it. Uh, it's got swept forward wings and, uh, a very sleek shape. And it looks like it's always got a bit of, you know, steam coming out of it. And, yeah, the ramp comes down, you go inside. It's so nice. Like it's luxury central in here. There are like wall hangings. There's carpeting. There's a full bar board in the entrance area. Is it shag carpeting? <laughs> no, I refuse <laughs> to have shag true. carpeting in my space <laughs> future. Oh, no. no. You know, it persists, Matt. Yeah, it's a nice carpet that's clearly extremely old. 
Okay, so this dude loves antiques. It's well kept, but yeah. So yeah, he's he's sitting in a, a nice chair in the reception area of the impertinent warpath, and uh, got one leg crossed over the other, and he's holding a martini. Is hey, can I get you anything, Emron? I'm uh, how about business before pleasure? Hey, whatever you want. He puts the martini down next to the chair, just in midair, and it just floats there. Yep, of course it does. <laughs> Super slick. Yep, it's very cool. Uh, Emron like looks. Does it mask the fact that he's impressed? Mind if I sit down? This localized gravity generator. Sounds fancy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Have a seat. And there's a, another large plush chair that matches his black leather. Of, not leather. They wouldn't have that. Black upholstery of some sort that's a soft, comfortable chair. Large enough for you. Emron uh, sits down and um, tests the localized gravity generator and like puts the box in midair. It floats there where you put it. When I make a promise to my new friends, I like to follow through on those promises as rapidly as possible. And I push the box towards him. Uh, he holds up a hand and crooks a finger and the box floats over to him. He leans forward, uncrosses his legs, and like he shakes out his trench coat, the leather one that he's wearing. That, that one is leather. And uh, he takes the box as it appears and he says, wow, it's, uh, it's for me. Yes. It's ethically, sorry. Okay. Uh, you can see he's... It's ethically sourced. Or, yeah, it's ethically sourced <laughs> leather, please. So, yeah, you can see he's still got his hood up over uh, his, his head, still sh- uh, shading that side of his, of his head. He opens up the box and he says, ah, nice wrapping. He looks inside and says, is this, is this functional or ornamental? It should work, given what I understand about cybernetics. Emran, it's, it's beautiful. This is a piece of art. I thought my friend should have nice things. He nods and uh, looks at the back at the connections, which I assume are the same ones that uh, you saw on the Velico eye. Mm-hmm. He says, excuse me a moment. He turns and holds it up the side of his head, and there's some clicking and squelching noises. And when he takes down the hood, he turns, and you can see the eye glows up in orange, and it like goes around a bit, calibrating, and then focuses on you. And he says, Emron Pock, hell of a mechanic. I have been for years. Wow, what do they teach you kids down there? How to make swords. Well, I don't know what to say. I mean, you're dead. Sure. Emran sits back and crosses his legs and uh, says, how about that drink now? Yeah, he, uh, he gestures and a drone floats one over to you. Yeah. So the two of you talk for a while. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I was imagining that Emran would drink a Moscow mule, but that was just... Hell yes. <laughs> <laughs> Emran is so tough and cool. <laughs> for those of you who don't know cocktails like me, I just know that it has vodka, lime, it's in a copper mug. It's one of the hardest things anyone can drink. That, yeah. That is my opinion. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> it might be the apple, the apple teeny of tough guy drinks, but it's, it's what I like. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Maeve, Keva, and Zora, what are your second actions? You don't have to take second actions, but, you know, you may as well. I would like to train my uh, my beef skill. Makes sense to me. With people. But I, I would like to maybe tie that into, and you can let me know if this is a long-term project. Uh, having been observing uh, these aquatic life forms and getting into their heads, I'm going to try to see if I can morph some aquatic features. Okay. Um, that's probably a long-term project morphing aquatic features because it's outside of the base purview of your powers, unless the aquatic creatures, blah, aquatic creatures in question are crustaceans, uh, which you can do. Yeah, I figure I can crustaceans, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to start training myself to do some other ones. Okay. So if you want to start a 
project for that, then you would need to do the start a long-term project action again on that uh, instead of training, or you can do training and then start a long-term project next time. You know, I'll train and then I'll start the long-term project next time. Okay. Uh, are you training with uh, like Zora and Emran and Keva, or are you training with some of the Centaurans or oh, who are you training with here? Uh, my favorite Centauran. Bitter Awakening or yeah. Ravening Zenith? No, Ravening Zenith. Okay. Uh, yeah, she's she's certainly open to training with you. He says, ah, I would be very interested to see how they battle on the habitat. And uh, yeah, let's roll your... No, you don't roll for training. But you should roll to see if you win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I will roll. I'll, I'll roll for beef. Uh, yeah, I mean, you can you can roll a... What's the fight one in this one called? Scrap? Scrap. You can roll a scrap uh, if you'd like. Oh, gosh. No. <laughs> okay <laughs> you, rolled, you rolled some ones a learning experience i mean the uh, the enduring loop is like the elite group of centauran warriors so this is not an unexpected outcome um but yeah it's i think it's not as bad as it was when you were trying to train with mandukai because you have been improving right you have been getting better in learning how to fight and control your powers in that way uh, but Ravening Zenith is just so buff, and she's so good at fighting. And it's just <laughs> clowned you know, on by this fish, man. <laughs> I love this game. She's really <laughs> tough. Uh, I think she pauses, like you're you're trading blows and parrying each other, dancing back and forth. I assume Maeve is using like uh, different transformations and stuff as well. Yeah, definitely. I think I, I wanted to test out like how strong my chitin would be against like their cybernetics. Yeah, like you put up a, a chitinous shield and like her fist slams into it and the shield holds for a moment, but then cracks and shatters. And like the fist comes through taking you in the chest and you go flying backwards, but you recover yourself. And she's like, mm, maybe that's enough for today. But I'm very impressed by your abilities. Oh, sorry. I Sorry, I wanted to interrupt. Please go ahead. I'll not interrupt, but I just imagine Keva was in the bench. It was like, yay! <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Little pennant with a spider on it. Mm-hmm. Right, so Keva or Zora, second actions? Zora, also another stress reliever for her, is, is physically training or, you know, practicing combat. Um, I'm not really sure what she can learn at this point because her scrap is at three. Yeah, but you could be just working on your prowess in general, which would mean, okay. yeah, you can't improve your scrap any further, but there's scramble, like maybe she's working on her parkour skills or <laughs> learning how to drive a spaceship parkour, yeah, or trying to be sneaky in armor. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just imagining her sneaking around in her armor. <laughs> clank, 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 clank. <laughs> She'd be so obvious. Yeah. Why don't we? So you just add a point to your prowess track up there. Yeah. Okay, it is um, done. Okay, and Keva. <laughs> Just imagining Sorry. there's this there's this panel in um, My Hero Academia where All Might is peering around a corner, and it's just he's like seven foot five. Uh... <laughs> he's peering around a corner, and it's like, no, come on, no. <laughs> Just imagining that <laughs> you're not hiding from anyone. Yeah, that that is on our list of one of the medias that have been consumed, at least by Keva. And has that informed your downtime action? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So I felt I feel bad because I was like, oh, what if what if Keva like tries to train her prowess for some reason? 
And now I'm like, oh, everyone, when everyone else did it, maybe, maybe Just I should. Means walk. everybody's, everyone's working on your physical conditioning. Yeah, I know, uh, but you've joined the Body Improvement Club with Ravening Zenith. This is the Swole <laughs> Patrol. It's Swole Patrol. Yeah, I do want. I do kind of want Keva to like. Like, as soon as Maeve was done, Keva, like, jumps up from the bleachers. It's like, okay, now my turn. She looks way down at you and is like, um, okay. <laughs> Someone write down Swole Patrol. That is canon yeah. now. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you also are able to spar with uh, Ravening Zenith. And I think she is surprised at your aptitude, despite your size. I need to roll my scrap now. Okay. But Oh, oh, wait. Well, I wanted to kind of train it. Yeah, so it goes to my prowess, but I really want to see how this one goes. Yeah, it'll go to prowess regardless. You have to fill up the prowess track to put in a new dot anywhere. Okay, so Keva got a five? (laughs) Five, that's pretty good. Yeah, I think you you take her by surprise because Keva's powers aren't obviously offensive in any way. No. It's like, oh, the the girl with the cyber hair. All right. Well, sure. But uh, we find that, uh, we find that, uh, you know, Keva is more agile than Ravening Zenith was expecting. And uh, Mm -hmm. it's hard for her to land a blow on you because you're bouncing around. You've got your shields from your hair and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. So, yeah. Just just imagine uh, Keva's being like, this is so much different from fighting with Emran. It's so much fun. If Cam came back just in time for that <laughs> wounded expression. No, no, I meant like, it's funny. Oh, no. Oh, no. How could Sorry. I disconnect and then come back when you're just roasting me? Oh, my gosh. No, that's not what she meant. That's not what I meant. You oh. see him standing in the doorway. There's Emran. Sad Hulk music. Yes, he walks away. Like, oh, my gosh. Emran walks away in slow, ma- in slow motion purposefully. Kevin's like, oh, my gosh. There's the sad music from the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> yep. And then you're like, I, that's where the five comes in, obviously, because she yeah, doesn't beat Ravaging Sim. See this? She just runs after, she's loping after everybody. <laughs> Wait, so now, now everybody has to pick a manga for their like training montages. If, <laughs> if Kava's got Hiroaka, Maeve's got Tokyo Ghoul, what's Emran's got? Wait, Is- wait, what do I have? You, didn't you pick Hiroaka? Oh. I was laughing about it because I, I said that she's watched it, but I don't know. When Arp was talking about running around everywhere, I, for some reason I was just imagining Ranma one half, just random dodges. But That's I, fine too. I do fall back to that because that was my first. However your heart sings, that's the tune we should follow. Mm. Emran's anime is Grappler Baki. Oh. That also makes sense, yeah. Yeah. Man, Rinma is so old, and I feel so old. Okay, the end of the third day of negotiations arrives. Everybody's very tired, and you are gathered in the the nice cafeteria outside of the negotiation chambers when all of a sudden, who should arrive but MP? Uh, MP has not been involved in the negotiations. He has, uh, ever since you first met him, I think he's made it clear that he feels he has no say in anything that you decide regarding the sun or the hablon uh so he's just he's been remaining on the ship with weapon table and uh yeah he comes up and he's looking distressed the grayscale lcd screen of his face has a distressed face emoji on it 
I, we've got, uh, we've got a problem. Like real, real big problem. Weapon table's gone. And I have just recovered from an emergency override shutdown. Mm -hmm.